We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties. Alright? Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Super Barrow, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, we, you know, we've actually had some fairly busy podcasts for the last couple weeks since the Rams season ended, and this week I feel like is the first full week where we really don't have any news to talk about. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny because you now that you mention it, it's very rare that when teams after the Super Bowl or, or even before the Super Bowl, they uh, they normally don't have any news um, unless you're active in the Super Bowl at all. So the fact that the Rams were able to have some sort of news and in such a large capacity is nothing short of amazing. But now we're starting to hit what is the boringness of the offseason, at least until free agency signing and draft day mania. Not that we have many draft picks to look at, but... <laughs> yeah, we we are, Johnny, we are not even close to the boring part of the offseason, man. No, not yet. Uh, yeah, and we will have some news. Like you said, free agency is coming up. We'll probably hit on some free agency previews in the next couple of weeks, but this week we have part three... Potentially our final part of the Rams 2020 season grades. We'll see if we can get through all these players. The last couple weeks we've been doing this, uh, we have had a lot of news to talk about while we talk about it. So we haven't gotten through as many as we'd hope. This week we have a lot of guys, and I think we're going to crush a lot of them. Uh, I think, Johnny, this will be probably the most upbeat of the uh, player grade podcast because most of these guys are still here. Most of them are going to be back. I would anticipate everybody we talk about today 
is going to be a Ram in 2021. And most of these guys are good and played well last year, which is going to be fun to talk about. I have one or two guys on this list that I'm ready to roast, but most of them are going to be positive. It's always fun to hear a, a good Steve roasting. So um, let's get let's get into that. I, I, I'm really ready to hear that. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it, it's like a clickbait headline. Steve Rebell roasts one 2020 player Ram, and that player will shock you because I didn't expect to roast this player while I was doing this right up as hard as I did. Um, we're not there yet, though. We're going to start from the top. Uh, so just a reminder of the format, if this is the first one of these you're listening to, I would recommend you go check out the other ones. I thought they were pretty fun. But we grade these players based on expectations going into the season and how they performed in the season. So... The worst player on the team might, like, if a guy gets an F, it doesn't mean he's the worst player on the team. If he gets an A+, it doesn't mean he's the best player on the team. But it's a combination of how they performed and what we expected them. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. I that explains it enough. We had a theme for each week. The first week was guys who were free agents. Second week was guys who could be cut candidates or trade candidates. This week is basically guys that are going to be here. I don't expect any of these guys to be in other places come 2021 and the first guy we're going to start with is none other than Aaron Donald we will start with the most positive score here I would imagine Aaron Donald is just he's probably Johnny one of the least talked about players on this podcast because I think the surest thing on earth is the sun coming up and setting at night and the second surest thing is Aaron Donald continuing to wreak fucking havoc on the NFL week in and week out the guy finishes here Won his third defensive player of the year award, tying J.J. Watt and Lawrence Taylor for the most all-time. Finished with a 94.2 grade from Pro Football Focus. Sixth consecutive season, he's been graded as the top defensive lineman in the league. And the only time he wasn't in his career was 2014 as a rookie. He graded second out of the defensive lineman. Uh, so another year for Aaron Donald, another great year. 13 and a half sacks, second most of his career behind his absurd 20 and a half sacks in 2018. Uh, and T.J. Watt led the league in sacks with 15, so Aaron Donald only a sack and a half behind him, despite, as we talked about at length last week, playing a different position. I give him an A++. He gets like 103% on his tests. He gets extra credit. I mean, for his expectations were about, you know, <laughs> I think expectations of Aaron Donald going in this year were being one of the best players in football. And he just continues to exceed expectations or at least meet his ridiculously sky-high expectations. Like, we really don't talk about him a lot because what it, what is there to say, man? He is just unbelievable. He has been for a long time, and there are no signs that he's going to not be unbelievable anytime soon. You wonder why the Rams make deals to go all-in on the roster that they have. It's not really because of the players they have anywhere else. It's a, the biggest factor here, I think, is that you have this guy, a generational talent in the prime of his career as the anchor of your football team. You need to go in as all in as you can while he's here and while he's playing at this level. And that's why you make trades for guys like Matthew Stafford, guys like Jalen Ramsey, et cetera, et cetera, because you're building around this guy. He's as valuable as non-quarterbacks come in the NFL. Uh, he's an A++ for me. I would imagine you're going to give him the same grade. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a grade high enough to give it to uh, Aaron Donald because A plus or even A plus plus just doesn't seem to really grasp on how talented 
this guy is. You know, I, I can go on and on, and really, Steve and I can really just gush over how good Aaron Donald is. I, I mean, you don't really... You, you could be a casual football fan and really realize the impact that Aaron Donald has on on football, not even just on the team. I mean, it, it's, it's funny because... Actually, let, let me share a bit of a story to show you how good this guy is. So, I have a, a good friend of mine who, uh, he, he uh, just started watching football just because uh, me and my other buds, you know, really love football. And uh, he is just a casual fan. He really doesn't know the rules of the game too much. But he's learning. So, one game... He, he's sitting on the sofa with me and, and my other friends. And uh, he asked me, isn't that other guy, the offensive lineman, not supposed to wrap up on Aaron Donald like that? Isn't that a holding penalty? And I'm like, yep, yes it is. And it's like, so where's the penalty? And I'm like, oh, get used to it. So the next, the next few plays, he notices it again. He says... Isn't that holding? Like, I don't get it. Why do the refs not like him or the the or the Rams? You know what? Why aren't they calling that? And I go, well, here's the problem. He is just so good to the point that offensive linemen need to hold him. And if the refs, you know, throw a penalty on him every single play, we're never going to finish this football game. So it... <laughs> While that's not an official answer by any means, it's basically what's become reality. You know, we've expected that Aaron Donald is not going to get called for holding penalties, and it's become the norm that it's almost unfair to to uh, call holding penalties because Aaron Donald's that good. So that gives you a perspective alone, just how talented this guy is. And uh, I don't want to harp too much on this a little bit more, but I'm going to do it anyway. So last week, if you tuned in, um, you probably already know this, but if you didn't, last week we talked about the TJ Watt and Aaron Donald debate for Defensive Player of the Year and how TJ Watt finished above Aaron Donald for sacks. Um, But as we mentioned in that podcast he is an interior lineman. Aaron Donald is an interior defensive lineman and still managed to get 13 sacks. That's insane. You know, to give to put this into perspective, the the next closest interior lineman in the on the sacks um leader list for 2020 was Leonard Williams, who was 7th in total sacks for 11 actually 11 and a half but you know that's you know you have to go down the list a little bit more just to get to the next interior defensive lineman the rest of them are either linebackers well actually no just linebackers so that that puts a perspective on just how important Aaron Donald is to to not only the Rams but the type of impact he has on the NFL in general. So yeah, A plus plus. I know I kind of got carried away there, but 
Aaron Donald is just too amazing not to talk about. No, nah, it's worth it. We we because we we don't talk about him that much during the season because outside of like Aaron Donald does it again, like he's never the problem. And I mean, for us, we usually talk more about problems than solutions. And when we talk about solutions, it's usually like guys that are surprising us. Uh, he never is. He's always dominant. Uh, and you know, in the Diva the Player of the Year debate, which we did debate at length, uh, I, there's just one guy I could quote here when J.J. Watt posted all these stats to say that T.J. should have won Deepest Player of the Year. Our guy, Marcus Peters, responded to his tweet and says, Your brother can't fuck with AD, bruh. Be cool. And that's it, man. <laughs> Nobody can. Nobody can fuck with AD. He's just on another level. He's There's very rarely in sports a, a guy is so just, like, unanimously am- admired by fans, journalists, and players alike like everybody pretty much in unison agreeing that this guy is unbelievable uh and the best defensive player in the league and and you have when you have a guy whose ego is it is not a knock on him a guy whose ego is as big as Jalen Ramsey out here saying that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in on the team that like that's when you know like that guy has probably never said that in his life about anyone uh until he got to the Rams and that's not a knock on him I love that attitude uh, he probably was the best defensive player on his team for his entire life until he got here. But even he acknowledges it. Like, he's just so great, man. I, I'm i glad he's on our side. Yeah, this is not a guy that you want to play against. He's a guy that you love to have on your team and a guy that you hate to go line up against uh, on the opposing side. Yeah, agreed. It's... <laughs> As always, what what more needs to be said with ninety nine? He's he's insane. Next guy on our list, rookie running back Cam Akers. Uh, came out of the year as a starting running back and played pretty terrible in his first game. Um, but after dealing with an injury, kind of being on the sidelines a little bit, comes back later in the year. And the last few weeks of the season, when he kind of took over the job, he averaged eighty four point eight yards a game and four point four yards per carry in those last few weeks of the year, and in the playoffs over two games, 221 yards and two touchdowns on 4.8 yards per rush. Uh, a really, really strong performance in the playoffs and an important one to the Rams for sure. I hit Expectations for a rookie, I mean, I feel like they were relatively high for a guy like him, but I still give him an A-. minus. Uh, he really came out strong at the end of the year. He proved to me that he should be, he'll be a workhorse back moving forward. Uh, at least for the duration of his rookie deal, which is what you drafted running back for. And I, I, I'm really optimistic about his future. I, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the pick because that has nothing to do with his performance. And I'd like to debate that pick later on because I was pretty vocally critical about this pick for all the season, basically. And I, I might still be a little critical of it, but Cam Akers is here. He's really good, and I think he's going to continue to be really good for years to come. It's an A- minus for me. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Yeah, as far as Cam Akers is concerned, you can't help but be excited for the guy, especially how he played in the playoffs. The playoffs is just another level. I mean, the NFL in and of itself is the top echelon of athletes. Even the guys that are riding the bench that don't perform particularly well are are a thousand times percent better than the guys in college who are also pretty good. So you uh, 
with that into perspective, you go into the NFL playoffs, and that's a whole nother level of talented teams putting in their A game, and Cam Akers just went off in the playoffs. You know, he played exceptionally well, and while he didn't have a flawless season, I still think he played um, a, a little bit above my expectations for sure. I, I, I think given the opportunity that he didn't play injured, um, he didn't, you know, have that injury during, I think, week, well, like the first few snaps of week two, I, I think his production would have been a little bit more. Because even then, Sean McVay was trying to ease him in back into, you know, uh, the season. He is a rookie after all, so they didn't want to put a lot on him, which makes total sense to me. I wish they would have kind of eased him in a little bit faster, but I mean, hey, he's an NFL head coach, and I'm just a guy on the sofa, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm assuming he knows a lot better than I do, but. Hey, you know, I, I I will say that from the glimpse that we saw of Cam Akers, you can't help but being a little bit excited. And even his dynamic duo, Daryl Henderson next to him, I think this is gonna be a really good a really good matchup for against pretty much any team in the league. So I, I look forward to seeing what Cam Akers is gonna do in the future. I give him a B plus. He wasn't flawless, he had his mistakes, which is understandable for a rookie but given my expectations and and uh what i've seen on the field i think a b plus is is definitely a fair grade but i could totally understand giving him uh an a or higher yeah i would too there's a lot of good rookie running backs this year he was one of them wasn't the best certainly wasn't the worst uh i am excited to see what the future holds for this guy Speaking of rookies, let's hit the other one. Van Jefferson. The other one. There's actually multiple rookies on this. Uh, but Van Jefferson. Didn't really do a lot this year, but wasn't asked to do a ton. 19 catches for 220 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had a big touchdown in the playoffs against Green Bay, though. I Ultimately, this was a guy that showed flashes, but like I said, just didn't get asked to do that much. I give him a C. It's not really his fault that he's getting a C, but uh, this is a second-round pick your expectations are for the guy to be featured somewhat or used especially on a team that doesn't have a lot of picks and had a lot of needs this wasn't one of them but uh i there's there's a conversation to be had johnny down the line about whether or not the rams receiving core makes sense but in a vacuum i think van jefferson is a promising player he showed flashes of being promising i am a see though you know, all things considered, there's not much there right now. That's not to say there won't be there much there next year, but today there wasn't much. You know, I, uh, I, I was a little conflicted with this one, if I'm going to be honest. And the reason being is because I, his production is not impressive if we're going to be brutally honest here. It's really not all that impressive, but how much of that is his fault, really, it's hard to say. Now, he's a rookie wide receiver behind Cooper Cup, behind Robert Woods, 
and even behind Josh Reynolds. So yeah. that's that's he's kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit. So that's something to consider. Another thing to consider is that he was also playing in a very, very disarrayed offense. You know, they there was so many things going wrong in this offense. Uh, some of that was due to quarterback Jared Goff, who's no longer on the team for that reason. And you, you could even make an argument that that was one of the reasons why the passing game wasn't as strong was because was primarily on Jared Goff because we even seen with uh, John Wolford, the playbook opened exponentially and John Wolford, there's a reason why he's a backup. You know, he played pretty solid, you know, but he's not a starter um, at least at the moment. So all that considered, he made some spectacular catches. He did, take advantage for the opportunities that were presented to him. Uh, made some some drop passes here and there, so he was not perfect. But based on everything, I gave him a B. I, I, I can understand why you'd give him a lower grade just because he wasn't super impressive. But given my expectations and everything and him being buried in the depth chart, plus Jared Goff on top of it, I feel like a B is kind of a fair grade. Yeah, it's not like a, like the C is not necessarily like a that's the best you can do kind of C. It's more of like a, there's room for improvement kind of C. Uh, I I anticipate big things for the guy. Hopefully. Uh, you know, given the draft capital, given what we spent on him, I think we'll get there. Uh, but we were not there yet. Although, in his defense, best two games of the year came in week 17 and in the divisional round against green bay so he's moving in the right direction another receiver here johnny cooper cup a longtime ram 92 catches for 974 yards and three touchdowns down from last year not over a thousand yards but he did only play 15 games he didn't miss a week if he got that additional game he probably crosses the 1000 yard mark I pro football focus grade was 81.6 top 20 at the position. He was 18th one spot ahead of Brandon cooks. Ironically, uh, it was the best pro football focus grade of his career. One thing to really note on his pro football focus stats, which again, they're not, a, it's not a perfect metric, but uh, we have some value in it. 88.3 grade in run blocking third best in the league, which is awesome. Great to see, especially from a team that runs the ball a lot. He was 12 points higher than the next best run blocker that had at least 300 run blocking snaps, which Cooper Cup did. And he was 15 points higher than the next receiver who was in the top 20 overall at the position. That was A.J. Brown. So a really strong run blocking grade. And obviously as a pass catcher, this guy's super talented. Uh, makes a lot of plays. Had a really shaky second half of 2019. So it was nice to see him bounce back and be more or less productive the entire year. I give him an A minus. You know, my expectations were pretty high. He more or less met them. I wouldn't say he exceeded them, but it was a positive year. It's a player who is very talented, a very important part of the offense, and I am excited to see what he does with a new quarterback. Yeah, uh, Cooper Cup 
is easily one of the most reliable receivers in the NFL. He may not do anything exceptionally well, like he's not going to blow you away with speed or anything like that, but he's one of the guys that is super reliable, usually has really good hands. Um, yeah, I I think Cooper Cup's impact in, with the Rams is very apparent. As you mentioned, there are things that he doesn't get enough credit for, like blocking. Uh, I feel like the majority of the Rams receivers are actually really talented at blocking as well. So yeah, yeah, it, it it's impressive. It's really impressive how these guys just really nail the fundamentals here, and Cooper Cup is right up there. So his production was a little bit down, as you mentioned. That's part of part of due to injury, probably again with the Jared Goff thing. However, there were a couple of things that did disappoint me a little bit about Cooper Cup, and that was particularly his catching ability in the end zone. Now, I don't think of him as a red zone threat per se, but one of the things that I did notice is Goff did look to Cup a lot in the end zone, and while Goff's passes weren't accurate most of the time I seen quite a few catchable balls that he just dropped and if I'm not mistaken I believe one of the uh, passes that just he didn't absolutely catch was in the 49er game I believe the one on the road if I'm not mistaken I think you're right yeah he just dropped critical touchdown pass there and hey, it happens. You know he's he's a talented guy. Unfortunately, he had an off day that that day, and I know he was playing through some injuries throughout the season, so that might have affected it as well. But um, overall, again, the guy's a stud. You can't be upset with them. Uh, I gave him a solid B plus. Uh, I I think I think Matthew Stafford coming aboard is going to only help this guy especially because while he may not be a deep threat or anything if you give him enough room he can be just as dangerous so i i, I think that matthew stafford's arm and his ability that way will help his uh progression as he develops even more into a stud in the nfl hopefully he'll get some more recognition as we as he continues his career yeah, I mean he's a he's a pretty well respected guy around the league, I think too. Uh, you were right about that 49er game. I looked it up, and yeah, there's there was a lot to like from him in 2020. Certainly, a lot that could be improved a little around the margins from Cooper Cup, and I think we will see those uh, improve with Stafford next season. Let's uh, let's take a quick break and then get to the next player. Guys, I know we're all sad about the NFL season wrapping up here, but we still got a lot to look forward to in the next couple months. We still got the returning NBA and NHL. They're back. We got plenty of other sports to keep us occupied. I always tell people if they want to add a little excitement to the sports I love, they should be heading over to my bookie and getting in on some of the action. I use my bookie for one simple reason. They're the best. They'll even hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. Want to get on my bookie and get that, get that big deposit bonus? It's simple. Sign up, 
Enter promo code RAMSTALK and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. That's promo code RAMSTALK. No spaces in that, just R A M S T A L K. Head over to my bookie today and start off 2021 on the right foot. This year, don't bet with anyone else. Just bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. All right, next up, certainly a big name here Jalen Ramsey, cornerback, uh, acquired by the Rams. In exchange for two first-round picks in 2019, it was a hefty price to pay for a any player. And the Rams just did again with Matthew Stafford, um, but certainly for a non-quarterback. But Jalen Ramsey is a guy who ha- is one of the most notable defensive players of the last decade in the NFL and one of the best, and it was trade to pair two of the best defensive players in the league together. Last year... I don't know if it was really there in 2019. I don't think we saw what we were paying for, but this year we saw it and then some. Uh, He was an anchor on this defense. There's no way this is the best defense in the league without him. That is for sure. Pro Football Focus, a website that historically has like not ranked him properly, he still ended up being the ninth best cornerback in the league with a 77.3 grade. So, you know, even even they came along on Jalen Ramsey. He had 44 tackles, 36 solo tackles, which not a crucial metric for a cornerback, but he tackled. He, he's a guy that tackles. He tackles hard, and there are a lot of cornerbacks in the league that don't tackle like this dude does. Only had one interception, but um, according to Player Profiler, he allowed six yards a target. That was the seventh best in the NFL. If you look at his games against star receivers, all you got to look at is Two games in the division against DeAndre Hopkins gave up 76 total yards combined in those games. Uh, We got our money's worth out of this guy. I gave him an A+. He has been worth every penny this year. Uh, I think he's back or at least close to being back to the form he showed at his peak in Jacksonville. And when you have a defense that are anchored around him and Aaron Donald, it shouldn't matter that much who the defensive coordinator is. And I think in a lot of ways, while I love Brandon Staley, him and Donald are a big part of why that guy is a head coach after one year of defensive court, being a defensive coordinator. Uh, it's an A-plus for me for Ramsey. Uh, my expectations weren't high. They were succeeded, and I will be just as high going into next season. Yeah, if you don't give this guy an A-plus, you're probably a Ramsey hater. This guy it was nothing short of amazing in 2020. Was he flawless? Yes, nah. I I mean he had a few mistakes here and there, but the the truth is he he was still very dominant in a league that just favors the offenses. It, you ask any cornerback in the NFL, they'll tell you that the league, especially with the officiating, they cater to the receivers and quarterbacks and kind of give them more chances to uh to score really because penalties can be called on you for any little thing. So Ramsey is, is a guy that just shuts down offenses. You know, he, it <laughs> offenses won't even throw to his side of the field, you know, not even throw to his, the receiver he's covering. They won't throw to his side of the field. And that's amazing. And you've seen this with some of the top echelon receivers that he went up against. You know, he went up against some really top guys. Guys like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who 
struggled against him. You, guys like DK Metcalf, who just was non-existent. These are some pretty big names, not just in the division, but in football. So, it, it, it's I, I have to say that he sur far surpassed my expectations. I, I was expecting him to be good. I, I think it's fair to say that if you weren't expecting him to at least be good, you had zero faith in the guy to begin with. But judging off of last year, he was far from perfect. I think a lot of it had to do with injuries as well. But he just was not the Jalen Ramsey we were hoping for. You know, he was still really good, just not as good as we know he could be. This year, he was way better than the Jalen Ramsey we saw last year. And uh, I, I'm just I'm just stoked to see that this guy is gonna be leading this defense once again along with Aaron Donald. It's it's exciting, and uh, as we've seen before, this is a guy that likes to coach up guys too. And if they can replicate even a fifth of what Jalen Ramsey does. I think we're, we'll be golden. I, I think guys like Darius Williams and Troy Hill really did learn a little bit from him too. So, uh, I don't know. Hopefully guys like David Long will learn from him as well. Because, uh, unfortunately, guys like Hill are probably going to be gone. So, I, I'm, I'm really ecstatic for this guy to come back and just see him play. He's a fun player to watch. Yeah. Hey, you said it all, man. Uh, David Long stepping up would be nice, but I don't know if I'm anticipating that. Yeah, um, either. You, you mentioned it. he played a lot of good receivers this year. Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs. Only guy to go over 75 yards against him this year was Amari Cooper in week one, uh, according to playerprofile.com. So that's pretty good, man. That is not bad at all. Uh, the only player to go over 60 yards against him this year besides Cooper, was DK Metcalf in Week 16. So, I mean, a hell of a year for Ramsey. A really a return to form. To, like you said, the guy who we were hoping to trade for, not necessarily the guy that we actually did trade for. Uh, he Obviously, we all expected him to be good. Some of us expected him to be really great, and he was really great. Uh, he's an A+. The Rams are investing about $40 million between him and Aaron Donald, and it's money well spent, man. I would rather have it in those two guys than, like, six defensive players. Uh, put it in those two guys and build around the edges with cheap players or veteran talent. That's what you do. That's how you win. Uh, next guy, another running back, Daryl Henderson. Uh, second year, third-round pick out of Memphis. Really just a ridiculously unmemorable rookie year where – the only real big moment I remember from that year was when he got stuffed on the goal line after being put in for no reason in week one. But a pretty memorable 2020, man. 138 carries for 624 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, finished one yard behind Cam Akers for the team lead, but averaged 4.5 yards per rush, which was higher than Akers' overall total and had more touchdowns, uh, which is kind of a surprising fact. He was the 11th graded best running back by pro football focus with an 80.4 pf grade including the third highest pass blocking grade granted it was unlimited work but still for daryl henderson that's that's a big accomplishment in my opinion i he really came out of the gate swinging and kind of was basically the like the book on why 
people like us didn't think we needed to draft Cam Akers because you had this guy on the team and he came out and was proving well. And to me, this year, he proved that he could be a very productive NFL player at a high level. But based on how kind of that stretch fizzled out a little, I think it's also safe to say that he can't be a three-down workhorse lead back at a high level. But still, I think that he, when he's back to being healthy, will be a really nice compliment to Cam Akers in this offense. And uh, they're two guys that seem like they'll pair well together. Henderson, in his best role, I think, is being used in a way that Alvin Kamara was used before he became you know, truly the Alvin Kamara we know now, which was kind of as like a 1B option to Mark Ingram in New Orleans. And I think that I don't think the split will be as heavy between Akers and uh, – or I, sorry, I just have a cut and I like sliced it on something. That's not good. Uh, anyways, we're going to have our flu game now. <laughs> I think his best role is going to be as a compliment to a Cam Akers, but not necessarily as like uh, comes in every 10 plays kind of back. I think he will be featured more next season than he was in like the, say the playoffs with Cam Akers. Uh, I, even though things fizzled out for Henderson, my expectations were pretty low and I still give him an A minus overall. I think this was a really successful season for him. As far as uh, Daryl Henderson is concerned, there was a lot of mystery surrounding him just because, as Steve mentioned, in 2019, he just was there. (laughs) He really didn't have much of an impact at all. In fact, the little impact he did have was very, uh, shall we say, uh, uninspiring. And it, it was hard to really get a feel of what we actually had in Henderson just because he didn't have much of a presence at all. And seeing how much he improved a lot and seeing exactly what he accomplished in 2020, I'm really excited. I mean, we kind of covered that there's a lot to be excited for with 2020 with Cam Akers. And Cam Akers is a guy that you can truly use as a three-down back um, but what Henderson brings to the table is just an extra. It's just an extra talented running back, really. Th- this is a guy that, you know, if Cam Akers at all struggles, or if there's a better matchup with, you know, the shiftiness of Henderson, this is a guy that you can just plug in, and he can, you know, lead lead the running back in carries if if need be. You know, and I truly believe it'll be exactly how Steve mentioned that he'll be the running back one B. You know, next to Acres, and I I think that is just an awesome feeling heading into next season because if we have this offense rolling and in the situation that we can hope for, you have a threatening ground game again, which means that you can start using your offense as effectively as you possibly can. So, going back to what he accomplished, the run blocking improved tremendously. If you got any footage of Henderson blocking in in, uh, 2019, you'll see how horrendous it was. So the fact that there is any improvement at all is, is a good sign. And... 
yeah, like Steve said, you know, when Akers went down with the injury, he kind of took the reins and was was the leader. He kind of fizzled out towards the end. But like Steve said, the <laughs> the expectation was set so low and seeing him play at such a high level was such re- a refreshing thing to see. I gave him a solid B. Um not perfect, but certainly light years ahead of what he did in 2019. So, um, kudos to Henderson, and I'm really excited to see this duo moving into 2021. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really good running back room, and I'm really excited to see the do for no ma- moving forward. No matter who the third guy in the room is, whether it's Malcolm Brown, whether it's uh, one of our practice squad guys, or whether it's someone we draft. Who knows? Um, but these two at the top, I don't think you really need to worry about it. And hopefully they don't. Hopefully they just bring in, you know, a, a minimum kind of guy or an undrafted player. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about here, Johnny, is punter Johnny Hecker. Uh, Johnny Hecker is a four-time Pro Bowler. He's a four-time All-Pro. He's been a crucial part of the Rams' success on special teams over the last decade, even being named to the 2010s All-Decade team. So I want to preface I wanted to preface that because this season for a guy who uh, historically has been one of the best punters ever, twenty fifth best punter according to Pro Football Focus, the worst Pro Football Focus grade of his entire career, and um, for reference, for the first six years of his career he finished in the top six every year. Last year he was still twelfth. This year he finished twenty fifth. With a 61.3 grade, much worse than he's had in his previous seasons. Uh, now, I know Profile Focus doesn't tell the whole story, but Johnny Hecker was 24th in net punting yards uh, for a guy that punted qu- quite a bit this season. And a lot of times with room to punt, uh, he didn't do a fake one time this year. That's not necessarily his fault, but part of the story here. I am giving Johnny Hecker an F. Uh, I am so fucking disappointed with how he played this year. He is one of my favorite Rams, so it pains me to say this, but he's fucking horrible. Uh, he was not what you get for who I would imagine is, and I will look this up while we're talking, one of the highest paid punters in the NFL. Um, you're paying for a guy who was, at his best, one of the best punters ever. Like I said, a four-time All-Pro. Uh, it's nothing to bat an eye. He was the second highest paid punter in, or at least average, on his current contract. He was really unreliable, uncharacteristically unreliable. Uh, when he was trotting onto the field, you didn't have faith that he was going to, you know, pin the other team where he needed to pin them. He had moments this year where he did that, but more often than not, he didn't do that. And this is a guy who, in a lot of ways, we've considered in the same tier as Aaron Donald at their respective positions and that they are at the best of the best. I hate to say it, but he might be regressing uh, after the last two years. Maybe it's a result of the team, but Johnny Hacker was the punter on a lot of shitty football teams and still performed. Uh, Now he's on a good team with a hampered offense, but he did get it done, man. Uh, I don't throw Fs lightly. I think there's only one other player I've given an F to so far, and it was Nasimba Webster. Uh, he's an F, man. He was the most disappointing player on the team this year, but arguably. 
Yeah, it to to say that I was disappointed in Johnny Hecker for 2020 is an understatement, and it's not something that uh, <laughs> that didn't go unnoticed across the league. So Johnny Hecker, this was probably by far his worst season, and that's saying something because. You know, this is a guy that is just lights out. Always pinning the opposition towards their own end zone. And that's something that's really helped us out in previous seasons. Um, I, I can recall, especially in 2018, where that got us out of, you know, some close games. He just declined so much. But... I, I don't know if this has anything to do with the special teams coaching because as we've seen with the special teams coaching, it across the board, the special teams went down in a major way. It, from kicking to returning, everything about the special teams was terrible in 2020 with one glimmer of light that we'll get to eventually. But... Johnny Hecker <laughs> Johnny Hecker did not have the the season that any of us was expecting. And I can understand Steve's F, but I gave him a D just because he's Johnny fucking Hecker. And I think this year we have a more competent special teams coaching. So hopefully that will help and uh, maybe we can see at least somewhat of the Johnny Hecker that we've seen in past years. So, uh, yeah, I think a D is a fair grade. And I'm sure Johnny Hecker himself will say that he was a little disappointed in his performance in 2020. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I don't think any, um, I don't know if any podcast segment I've ever done has pained me as much as that one. Fucking love Johnny Hacker, dude, but really bad. Uh, and considering expectations, you know, I don't give Johnny Hacker an F lightly. I never thought I would. Um, but I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I'm not mad, Johnny Hacker. I'm disappointed. <laughs> um,. We'll move on to a brighter note, though. Let's hit Robert Woods. Uh, like Cooper Cup, 90 catches for 936 yards, 
a little disappointed that he didn't go over a thousand, but uh, six touchdowns plus 155 yards and on the ground and two touchdowns there. So if he's on your fantasy team, you're probably not disappointed, but yardage totals leave a little bit of desire. That being said, still really reliable player, still very good player, still a guy who I have high expectations for with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think he will really perform well next year. Pro football focus grade was a 71.4, the lowest he's had since joining the Rams, 57th among receivers. But, I mean, that being said, I still felt like he was reliable this year. I gave him a B plus. Uh, kind of the same notes I have for Cooper Cup. Not perfect, but also probably hampered a little bit by the quarterback play and still really solid job of Wood scoring this year. So I'm, I will never be disappointed with having this guy on the team. I think he's a very productive player. And I, I'm happy he's on our side. So I, I'm going to give Robert Woods uh, a bigger benefit of the doubt than I would Cooper Cup. Reason being is because I feel like Robert Woods' game is better when he's getting uh, mid to long range passes. He's not a super, super good deep threat, but he's someone that could certainly take advantage of it. But this is a guy that really thrived with the Rams with the mid-range passes in particular. And as we've seen from Jared Goff in 2020 and really 2019 also, he just wasn't even making mid-range passes anymore. It was really, really just limited to short passes. And that's not really something that Robert Woods is really thrived on in the past, but he still made it work. You know, he still got close to a thousand yards. It wasn't the thousand yard mark that we're kind of used to seeing. So I don't know if I can really blame Robert Woods that much. I, I kind of blame the combination of McVeigh and uh, Jared Goff here. Uh, but, you know, he was still very productive. As Steve mentioned, he had a increase in touchdowns. Which, you know, hey, that wasn't something Robert Woods was known for very much either. So, hey, I'll, I'll take it. Um, he he does have some moments also where he could have stepped up, but, you know, kind of disappeared. Again, don't know how much of that was his fault, but considering how solid he's been pretty much his entire career, I, I have to... Give him the benefit of the doubt here. I still gave him uh, an A minus just because, hey, he still performed with all the, <laughs> with all the things that were happening to this offense. So yeah, I think A minus is justified. Not gonna be an argument for me. Love the guy. Lo- I've loved him uh, since he started playing for us. I wouldn't say I loved him since he got here because I was not a huge fan of the signing. But prove me wrong quickly, and I have high hopes for next season. Sebastian Joseph Day, second year defensive tackle. Uh, I what a story, man! Just kind of like a six round pick. Expectations were not high. Comes in last year, fills the void left by Ndamukong Sue, a, a very big void, literally and figuratively, left by Ndamukong Sue. Uh, played well last year and pretty much improved on everything this year. Uh, he had 55 tackles. That was the sixth on the t- most on the team, uh, tied for the most by a defensive lineman. That includes edge rushers. Uh, Leonard Floyd was who he tied with. 
His 35 solo tackles were the most by Rams defensive lineman this year. Uh, Pro Football Focus gave him a 76.8 20th in the league at the interior defensive line position. A big upgrade for his score personally from last year. Uh, he, I gave him an A. He's really blossomed into a productive player, a valuable part of this defense, um, and it seems like a really likable guy. He seems like a blast. Uh, I'd love to have him on the team. One of, probably one of my favorite players on the team right now. Uh, he gets an A. I don't really have much to add. He's been a really pleasant surprise in his two years with the team, and I hope he continues to uh, produce next year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because we. I mean, this is a guy that truly came out of nowhere in 2019. And he, you know, came in, stepped up, and just was an all-around solid player. So, uh, the fact that, you know, he he was still a very young guy. So, they ended up signing Ashawn Robinson to kind of start over him. Well, unfortunately, Ashawn Robinson wasn't able to start because of you know heart issues he ended up it it really didn't end up mattering because uh sebastian joseph day had a hell of a season ashawn robinson eventually came in and finally got to football form but um still it didn't seem to matter because joseph day just really did a hell of a job i mean if you really look at some of the film, he doesn't have a lot of stats in terms of things like sacks and everything like that. But if you really look at the film, this is a guy that was in on pretty much every play. Like he was around the ball all the time. And this is, this is a really young guy. So if he continues to learn from Aaron Donald and continues to develop, this is, this is going to be a scary guy to watch grow. So, uh, yeah, certainly surpassed my expectations. I give him a B plus. Um, I, I think he's a solid, solid guy. And uh, hopefully we continue to see his progression. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if he continues to progress, uh, if the Rams will be even able to afford to keep him. <laughs> At this point, we can't really afford to keep anybody. Uh, so nice to have him on the team while we've got him on the cheap contract, uh, which a lot of these next couple players are that we could probably run through fairly quickly. Austin Corbett guard was a second round, actually the first pick of the second round in 2018 by the Cleveland Browns didn't really work out there. They kind of gave up on him. They gave him to us last year for a 20 for fifth round pick this year. And, uh, this year he was the starting a starting guard on the team all year and really I think came into his own as a productive player. Uh, his 73.4 pro football focus grade was 11th among guards right ahead, believe it or not, Johnny of Roger Saffold who came in at 12th. Uh, he was a big upgrade, 20 points higher than his 51.7 pro football focus grade from last year. Only allowed one sack on the year. Uh, I think, you know, I don't really anticipate Austin Corbett ever be an elite guard in the NFL and maybe I'm wrong, but certainly is a productive starting guard that was a big part of the reason why this offensive line improved leaps and bounds over last year uh the trade was a great move by lesson i think it's gonna end up being a steal and i I, he'll be back next year as a starting guard i think uh and i expect him to be a pretty productive one i i give him b plus uh he's been he, he was great last year for what we expected 
this will probably go down as one of Lesnar's greatest trades, to be honest. <laughs> he he really gave up not much for a guy that became a starter and was a was a pretty good stud, honestly, for for this offensive line. You know, this I if you go back and really see why the offensive line improved, he's a big part of it. You know that that fact alone is impressive. Because going into the season, it was kind of a question of which guard that the Rams were going to have to sit. Because you got guys like David Edwards, Joseph Nopum, and then you enter Austin Corbett into the equation. Turns out that nobody ever questioned Austin Corbett, that he was always slated to be the starter. And he stood the starter the entire season. So... I don't know about you, Steve. My expectation wasn't nearly that high. So I have to give it up to him. I, I give him a A. Yeah. I, I think my uh my B plus might have honestly been low. I'm up at doing A too. Fuck it. Happy <laughs> for him. The Rams traded a very late fifth round pick in this year's draft for Austin Corbett. Uh, I do not think they will ever lose sleep over that trade. That was a, a very that was exactly the risk reward move you take a low risk high reward move and it's paying off uh we got a productive starting guard that we needed jordan fuller uh the last rookie we're going to talk about this week a six round pick safety out of ohio state uh ohio state knows how to produce defensive backs man because jordan fuller is a beast in 12 games he had 60 tackles three interceptions five passes defended and most importantly just basically just took taylor rapp's job in the preseason uh, we were so confused as to why Taylor Rapp wasn't playing in week one that we thought he was injured. But lo and behold, it's just that Jordan Fuller was fucking balling and earned that job. And uh, he ran away with it throughout the season. His pro football focus grade, not that high, 65.6, 41st of position, actually lower than Taylor Rapp. But, I mean, still still a very, very promising and successful year from a rookie who essentially had no expectations uh, as a six-round pick. I gave him an A-plus, man. Might be the steal of the draft. One of the best picks in the later rounds Les Snead has ever had, I could say, uh, if he continues on this trajectory he's currently on. Most importantly, he picked off Tom Brady twice. Guy just won the fucking Super Bowl. I, I What a year, man. I, I'm very, very excited to see where his career goes. He is a really promising player who shocked, I think, all of us this year with how good he was. 2020 was certainly a year of blessings for safeties for the Rams, for sure. Uh, I I mean, there, there was a lot when you really think about it. You know, John Johnson is arguably one of the best safeties in the NFL. Jordan Fuller turns out to be the steal of the draft. You have, you know, Terrell Burgess, who had was having a solid season before he went on IR. And then Taylor Rapp, who... I know we kind of clowned on him a little bit for uh, for getting his job taken away by a rookie and a low-round rookie. But it just turned out Jordan Fuller was just a stud. You know, you sometimes there are freaks of nature, cough Tom Brady, that just come along and just shock the NFL despite their draft status. And uh, Taylor Rapp, I think, is still a quality guy um, that will you know, come back hopefully from his injury and um, probably take over the starting role considering Terrell Burgess doesn't do it. 
And uh, if if they don't bring back John Johnson, which let's face it, that's probably not going to happen. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> there's not enough positive things to be said about Jordan Fuller. He was just an amazing player. I, the funny thing is, I, I think back to when the Rams drafted, you know, Fuller. I I thought to myself they had already drafted. Uh, Terrell Burgess, and while I don't make a big stink over a lower round draft pick like a sixth rounder, because at that point I think drafting the best player available is generally the case for most teams, or at least taking a risk on guys, but like I, I thought to myself, another safety, I was like, is he going to compete with Nick Scott, or are they not happy with Nick Scott? Like it just it, it just was went way over my head. It didn't dawn on me that this guy was gonna eventually take over Taylor Rapp's starting position. So uh kudos to Sean McVeigh, Les Need, you know, for eyeing this guy and you know, they, they found gold. They really found gold, they found uh platinum, whatever mineral you and you wanna use here. They found it in Jordan Fuller. This is going to be an exciting guy to watch for many years to come. And, hey, you know, if they continue to scout safeties as well as they do, which we all know they they have a history of doing so, they may not even need to bring back John Johnson, though I would really very much love him back in 2021. Yeah, like, sadly, he's made John Johnson, like... I think John Johnson is, I would not call him expendable at all, but like if he leaves, we're going to feel okay about um, the guys we have here, primarily because of what Jordan Fuller did this season. I'm sure there's some tape, if you go back after the draft, to be saying how could they draft a second safety over an inside linebacker after that draft. Uh, Happy to eat my words here, and I think it seems like, uh, I believe there was an athletic article uh, a couple months ago that was talking about how the Rams are basically shocked that they were able to get Jordan Fuller in the sixth round and were fucking stoked about it. So I get maybe not your average sixth round pick, but shit, man, he's, I'm glad he's on this team. Uh, David Edwards, our next guy, what was he? A fifth round pick, I think in uh, the 2019 draft, played a little tackle, primarily guard, but this year he was all guard, lost his starting job from last season. Somehow to Joseph Noteboom gained it back very pretty quickly. Uh, his 70.5 pro football focus grade was 17th among guards, uh, nearly 10 points higher than what he got last year. A lot three sacks, only had a penalty. Um, but I think the biggest moment you could point to in how important David Edwards was to this team was the playoff game that he missed um, where Bobby Evans took over for him and was awful. And we like we I think we said this the other week, we thought Bobby Evans was a pretty good player in 2019. Uh, but clearly that proved how valuable David Edwards was as a left guard in this offense. I, like Corbett, I I give him a B plus. Uh, I, I think it was really solid. I think that he's a guy who potentially they might look at replacing, but I don't know if they necessarily need to uh, because I think he is at worst an above average guard. I, I was really happy with how he played. Yeah, David Edwards... it's it's funny because we go back to this conversation after talking about Austin Corbett Corbett's impact on this team 
was so great. You know, he he had such a lasting impact on this team. And then you have Joseph Noteboom and and David Edwards kind of fighting for a spot here. And at first it, it was surprising that that David Edwards didn't get a starting spot. And they kind of gave it to Noteboom, who was was okay. But to me, it was always clear to me and Steve, we always kind of questioned why start either one of these guys, whether it be Corbett or Noteboom, over Edwards, who had a solid job in, in 2019. And Edwards played very well when he finally got the starting spot back after Noteboom got injured, and then he eventually replaced the injured... Um, Andrew Whitworth for at left tackle. So that's that's the kind of quality depth you want when you have to question who you start. But David Edwards in, in the at the end of the day had such a lasting impact and continued to play very well. Unfortunately wasn't able to play in, in the playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. And for whatever reason, McVeigh started uh Bobby Evans instead of Joseph Noteboom. I'm not Noteboom's hugest fan, but I think he was the better choice than Bobby Evans, who's a predominant tackle. So, yeah, it's very clear that Edwards' health is very much something that you want to look at, especially when you go into next season. I think the Rams are better when Edwards is in the starting lineup. But that's just my opinion. I I give him B plus. I think that's that's a very fair grade, and hopefully he continues to progress and continues to be this uh, dominant guard and give Matthew Stafford even more time to throw the football next season. Yep. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. And with the needs the Rams have, I don't necessarily think they need to. Know, try and pay a lot to upgrade this position. If an upgrade presents itself, sure. But Edwards is good. I like him. I don't think we need to replace him. Um, I'm so Johnny. We didn't do a couple guys last week, and I think we just throw them in now, get them done quick, uh, and then we'll end with coach. Uh, so we can put a put the cap on player grades. How's that sound? I'm I'm down. All right, uh, next guy, and I'm sure people have been waiting for me to talk about this guy. Troy Reader, inside linebacker, uh, 61.3 pro football focus grade, 27th at the position. Not bad. Uh, he was the ninth best at the position as pass rushing. I'm guessing that's what inflated his stat because he is gen- legitimately a, a good, great pass rusher for an inside linebacker. Um, listen, man, I... I kind of had trouble grading this guy because he was really bad at a lot of times this season, but he fucking tries, man. He really tries. He's all over the field. Like, you see him all over the place where the ball is. Sometimes he's late running there and not getting it done. Sometimes he is making a lot of tackles. Um, But the bar for this position was really low. I think he passed it for me a little bit. And there were moments like where he legitimately made some good plays. I uh, what it was in the playoffs, right? Where he had that pass deflection on the the goal line, right? Uh yes, I believe so. Yeah, man. I mean 
<laughs> for all the shit I gave this guy, I actually ended up giving him a B because he tries really hard uh, and he actually, I think he legitimately got better as the season went on. Uh, he, sh- he By the end of the season, like, if if we go into 2021 with Troy Reader as our number one inside linebacker, I'm not going to be happy about it at all. Uh, I think it would be a massive mistake. But if he's our number two linebacker, I I will be okay with it. That is not something I expected to say when the season started. <laughs> you know, uh, the I, I'm kind of with you, Steve. This was a hard one to grade just because – did you really have any expectations for Troy Reader going into the 2020 season? Because I know I sure as I, hell didn't. I expected all of our inside linebackers to be terrible. And at times they all were. But Reader came along. Yeah, for sure. And in a normal universe, the <laughs> Troy Reader is not somebody that you ask to start. Uh, in fact, he, considering at the start of the season, this guy was basically there for depth. He was never expected to start. You know, Micah Kaiser was supposed to be the starting guard, and probably Traven Howard was supposed to be the other guy. Well, Howard never really saw the field. And then Micah Kaiser can't stay healthy to save his life. So, <laughs> so enter in Troy Reader, and, you know, he had some pretty awful moments stuff that I'd like to forget honestly but as Steve mentioned there's you know you you struggle to find somebody that works harder than this guy he, he puts his all on the field he's definitely not somebody you want as your starter but you know I I'd be happy to keep Troy Reader as, as a backup I think he's a solid backup and maybe guy more suited for special teams which I think initially that's what he was really for. So all that said, I gave him a C plus. I think that's a fair grade. He uh, was not the best, but certainly I, I think given putting him at his proper place is somebody solid to have on the team. So yeah, I, I'd say a C plus. Yeah, he 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 was exposed in a lot of ways in that playoff game against Green Bay but also did, he made some plays when he was called upon and plays that you wouldn't expect him to make um and I, I really like ideally we would have two inside linebackers that are not currently on the roster next season but given that that's going to be hard to accomplish given our cap constraints and our lack of picks I mean if he's I I will be fine if he is the second linebacker uh kind of playing the Kenny Young role that Kenny Young played this year which I don't anticipate him playing next year. Uh, let's get let's knock out the other linebacker while we're here. Micah Kaiser. I uh, he finished seventy fifth out of eighty three inside linebackers on Pro Football Focus. Obviously missed some time due to injuries, but also like while he was out there, really was not inspiring. Uh, he had seventy seven tackles over nine games, which is pretty high to be honest. He made a lot of tackles, but. I, I did. I never felt like he was playing well. Um, he, he did make some tackles. He was all right. I didn't give him a C. I mean, I don't know. For like, he was kind of being hailed as like you. We. I think more than the other two guys being Reader and Young, you went into the season with a little higher expectations for Kaiser because it seemed like he was the guy they were trusting 
as their inside linebacker. And we're basically trusting for two straight years because he was supposed to be the starter next to Corey Littleton last year before he got hurt. So I don't know. He was fine, I guess. Um, but I'd prefer to replace him. Yeah, I, I uh, would love to hold hold on to Micah Kaiser, but maybe not as a starter just because he can't stay healthy. You know, that that's not a reliable guy. If you absolutely have to keep him as your starter, at least find another inside linebacker that can at least be similar to his level, maybe similar to his style if that's what you prefer. Because, you know, you can't rely on a guy that's going to continuously get hurt. I know it's not his fault or anything like that, but since he came into this league, he hasn't had one healthy season at all. Yep. That's that's a concern. That's a huge, huge concern, especially because you we just talked about Troy Reader having to be our starter, and him not see him shouldn't being a starter. We shouldn't have to have these guys as our starting linebackers. So yes, I, I don't care how they do it, but they need to find somebody that could compete with Micah Kaiser for the starting role. And it shouldn't be guys like Troy reader, Kenny young, either one of those guys need to find better inside linebackers. So, eh. Hard to hard to grade a guy like Micah Kaiser just because he really didn't have a full season. I don't even know how many games the guy played and like seriously actually played because there were quite a few games where he started and he played, but he was taken out halfway through because he got hurt. So yeah. all that's yeah, all that said, I gave him a D just because if if you're not on the field, you're kind of a disappointment, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair, man. He's uh not the best. Um <laughs> all right, I got one more player and then we'll end with Sean McVay. A player that has been highly anticipated by you and many on this podcast, I would imagine. My fucking guy, Johnny. Matt Gay. 14 of 16 on field goals this season. Didn't miss an extra point. Shouldn't be something we should be celebrating, but we're certainly celebrating it. Uh, It went 7 of 8 from 40-plus yards. Granted, most of them were not above 50 yards, but still, he did make a 50-yarder, which is something I never thought I'd see this year. Um, To put those stats in perspective, the 14 of 16 and the 16 of 16, Sam Sloman, his predecessor, was 8 for 11 on field goals and 18 of 21 on extra points. Um, I give Matt Gay an A. My expectations were certainly very low when he got here, and I actually do think he's a pretty good NFL kicker. Uh, it's kind of surprising that the the Bucks just cut him, uh, given what we saw. I, I, I think that he will be our kicker next year, and I certainly hope he is. Uh, after cycling through some pretty horrifying replacements for Greg Zerline, I am very happy with what we got out of Matt Gay. Uh, he seems like he actually has a leg that they didn't really unleash this year, but even without that, just consistent. Didn't miss much, and he his misses, as I said on the pot earlier this year, compared to the guys we had before him, his misses still looked good 
which was a criteria for a kicker on this team. In a world where you had Sam Sloman, Kai Forbath, we bring you Matt Gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, not to trash Sam Sloman too much just because he was a rookie, but the guy was awful. And there's a reason why he wasn't even on the practice squad anymore. He just was not a very good kicker. I don't know, maybe a little bit more experience and he'll be better at some point, but not with the Rams. And and listen, man, uh, before we finish, Sam Sloman came back in week 17, went five or five for five on extra points and two for two on field goals with the Titans. Uh, He rebounded. Good for him. I suppose. <laughs> what was that? Come on, Sam. What was that ever with the Rams? Yep. Well, it, there was there was just so much crap with the special teams. So it could it could have even been a coaching issue, but I I don't know. He just was not very good. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah. So <laughs> then you move on to Kai Forbath, who. Just looked the worst he's at we've ever seen him in his career. Made quite pos or he missed quite possibly the worst field goal kick I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it looked like some Charlie Brown crap right there. But <laughs> but yeah, Matt Gay came in. I had zero expectations at that point just because we went from bad to worse to. You know, Matt Gay, who, yeah, he was in the league, but really didn't do much. And uh, actually came highly recommended by Johnny Hecker, oddly enough. So he came in, did his thing. He wasn't the best kicker in the league by far, but he certainly wasn't one of the worst ones either. He, you know, like Steve mentioned, the some of the kicks that he missed, you know, they were barely missed. It happens to the best kickers, even guys like Greg Zerloin, who didn't have that impressive of a season either. So, that being said, I I have to give him an A+. Just, he, <laughs> I think that's more of a testament to how low my expectations were. But, you know what? Expectations or not, he had a pretty great season. And, and uh, that's all you can really ask for, being your third kicker that you assigned as your starter. I think, uh, I think the grade cut out. Would you give him an A or an A plus? A plus. Fuck. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. Expectations were low, but I actually do think he's good. Uh, I, I have faith in him as, as our kicker. Not only is the best in the league, but I think he's going to be reliable. Uh, and reliability is Almost more important for a kicker than actually having a boot. Last guy here, head coach Sean McVay. Uh, he's a weird one to grade, man, because so I gave him a B minus. I think as a head coach in general, it's an A plus. Uh, this team went; they had some ups and downs, but ultimately they they came out on the other side and won a playoff game in spite of a not great offense, but. Sean McVay is also the offensive coordinator. 
Uh, even though he's not technically, he really is. So you got to factor that in. I give, as in that regard, I give him a C minus. Um, the offense statistically was all right, 11th in yards per game, 13th in passing, 10th in rushing, but in points per game, 22nd. Uh, they didn't score. That was the story there. The offense just couldn't score, and he was dealing with a flawed unit. Sure, his quarterback did not live up to expectations. Uh, is a lot of the offense's blame put on Jared Goff's shoulders? Absolutely, but that doesn't mean Sean McVay is blameless. He's the head coach. He's supposed to put this guy in a position to succeed, and he wasn't. He wasn't trusting him a lot, but look, like, I know you don't trust your quarterback, but, I mean, you can't throw the ball horizontally all game and expect to score points. It's just not going to happen. Um, he didn't lean on the run a lot enough as much as we thought of in some games. Other games he really did to a very successful degree. Um, but I don't know, man. I think – there, there are no excuses for McVay as an offensive coordinator next year. Uh, this offense needs to be humming with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. And this year, I think that you could put a lot of the blame on Goff. Um, you were missing Andrew Whitworth for some games. That didn't help. But he's getting the quarterback that he said he wants for next year. I don't think the excuses are there. But for this season, I give him a B-. A B-. Minus. Um, and like I said, he gets a better grade as a head coach than he does as a coordinator but he is ultimately all of those things and the offenses you know woes I suppose fall on his shoulders he's the head coach it starts it starts with him I think that's a very fair assessment and uh I give him a C plus just because I do expect better of Sean McVay and you like you said Steve you could blame a lot of things on Jared Goff um, you know, injuries happen. They're a part of the game, but ultimately you can't say he had a terrible season because, Hey, he took the Rams to the playoffs. And while it didn't get to the, um, divisional, you know, NFC West title or anything like that, or, you know, advance past the Green Bay Packers. Hey, he, he still got you to the playoffs. That's all you could really ask other than maybe get to the Super Bowl, which is always going to be the case. But I, I still think he did a solid job. And uh, I, I think a lot of what we're going to grade Sean McVay on from here on out is going to happen in 2021. This is not really his last chance or anything. But if Matthew Stafford has a terrible season also, we'll learn that it wasn't just Jared Goff, you know? We'll learn that this is a Sean McVay issue too. Because I, I know Matthew Stafford is a different quarterback than Jared Goff. So I think that in the long run, it will probably be better with Matthew Stafford in it, in theory. But we'll see, man. If if he continues to limit Matthew Stafford like he was Jared Goff, it may not have been just a Goff issue. It might have been a McVay issue. So, all that said, I think a C-plus is fair. He got you to the playoffs. You can't be disappointed in that. He did make some mistakes. There was a lot of questionable things that came from his side, not just the Jared Goff side. So... Yeah, uh, I would say high-end C-plus with 
room for a lot of room for improvement. And I think a lot of it is going to stem for what we see in the production of Matthew Stafford. Yeah, it's it's really uh, I want to say make or break season for McVay next year because he's already made it. Um, but it could potentially be a break season if things really go poorly with this trade. Uh, but I don't think they will. And yeah, there there are questions with how he called games, some of the plays he ran at certain times. Um, he is, I think, a bottom five coach when it comes to timeout management. Oh yeah. Uh, but then again, so is Andy Reid, and he's one of the best sure. coaches in the last 30 years so <laughs> it's not the end of the world but uh yeah man a lot of expect a lot of things need to go need to be improved next year and i think they should be depending on what happens this offseason all right that was a lot of players that we just talked about i think we had like 17 um anything else you before we depart johnny at this point, I'm just waiting for baseball season to start. You know, I, I love the NBA. NBA is great, especially when the Lakers are winning, which they just won today. So sweet. Uh, but more sports, the better. And I'm I'm a huge Dodger fan. So let's hear. Let's hope for a two Pete, Steve. I I know you just love baseball. It's so riveting to you. Uh, yeah. If if it'll make you guys happy, sure. I I don't care. He's a diehard Dodger <laughs> fan. Don't 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 let his don't let his voice fool you. He he is truly a diehard Dodger fan. He bleeds Dodger blue. Ah, live in Queens. I gotta rep my Mets. Uh, though I cannot name any players on the team. Name the owner though. Shout out Uncle Stevie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Have man. A good team uh, this we'll year. be. That, that's what I'm hearing from you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't even go see him play. So I will not be watching any Mets games this year. Uh, all right, guys. We'll be we'll be back next week. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you haven't. And follow us on Twitter at Superbarrow, at Johnny5not6, at TalkRamps. And we will talk to you again next week.